Welcome and thank you for joining us to all of our New Hope family and all of those who have shared these videos and gotten the word out that there is a church in Eunice that wants to meet with them even if it is bound to being online. We believe that God is not bound by anything. And so just because we can't gather physically, we believe, whether you're watching live or, as Pastor Dylan said, watching later, that God will meet with you right where you are. As we open today, I want to begin with a little bit of a word of encouragement. I had the opportunity to preach uh, an entire sermon on this one phrase to a group of pastors a couple of years ago in Zimbabwe, Africa. Uh, I said this phrase and then preached the message. I won't preach the whole message, but I want to give you this phrase because I believe it's fitting for the time that we are in. The phrase is, we should be aware, I believe, be aware, but not afraid. I believe that we should be aware, but not afraid. In other words, here real soon is uh, a, a fun time of year, it's not my favorite time of year, but it's a fun time of year, it is a season that we go out and look for giant birds with beards. Those birds are called turkeys. We go out in the woods and we make crazy noises and paint our faces and sit up against trees. And when I go to hunt a turkey, I realize that at this time of year in South Louisiana, I am aware that at this time of the year in South Louisiana, uh, snakes begin to crawl out of their demonic pits, and they begin to make their way through the woods and out of the water, out of their hole, and into our homes. Just let that simmer with you for a minute as you rest in your living room <laughs> watching this message. The snakes are out. And so when I turkey hunt, I am, I am extremely aware. As many people at our church know, I'm, me, and fan, me and snakes, we're not like the greatest friends. The snakes I like are headless. Those are the kind of snakes I like. But when I'm, I'm hunting a turkey, I'm not afraid of the snake. Uh, I'm not going to play with it. Uh, I'm also not going to try to cut it with a knife because I'm not hunting turkeys with knives. I'm hunting them with a shotgun. And so I'm not afraid of that snake, but I am very aware of the snake. I'm, I will be 36 years old in, in June. I know, I don't look a day over 27, but I, I'll be 36 years old in June. And I'm, and I'm sneaking up on being in this world for 36 years. And it was actually just this week, just this week, that I gained the awareness of how disgusting the top of the bottle of hand sanitizer must be. I mean, that's before you wash your hands, before you sanitize. Whether you're in the restroom with fecal matter on your hands, or you're in the gas station with no telling what has been in that place. When you put your hand on a soap dispenser or a hand sanitizer dispenser, you have touched 
officially the most disgusting place in the entire world. But I'm not afraid because I'm going to use the soap. I'm aware that I'm not going to lick the top of that hand sanitizer dispenser, but, but I'm not afraid of it. I believe we are in a time and in a day where we need to be reminded that nothing has knocked our God off of his throne. And I understand that there's some tough times and some people are going through some tough issues. We should be aware of what we're facing. But in the name of Jesus, we dare not be afraid. As we begin to prepare on this Palm Sunday for this upcoming Easter weekend, if you live in Eunice or the surrounding area, we've uh, gained permission from our local authorities and we're going to do our best to facilitate within the restrictions a Good Friday drive-through communion service. Drive-through, pick up the communion. Everybody will be uh, appropriately dressed and guarded. Pick up your communion. You can take that communion home. And we will, when you are coming through the line, Pastor Dylan and our staff has been working on a card with information of uh, what is involved in receiving communion, how we should reflect, how we should examine and repent, and then finally how we should receive. And we'll send you home with that card for you to lead your family through communion. If you want to stay here in the parking lot at 615, you can come on live with us on your device in your vehicle, and we'll lead you through communion. If you're not comfortable going home and leading by yourself, we will have a video uploaded on YouTube for you to watch and to, that will lead you through communion if you don't want to wait through until 6.15. And then finally, on Saturday at 4 o'clock and then Sunday at our regular service times, 9.30 and 11.15. Not 8 o'clock in the morning, but at 9.30 and 11.15, we will have a live open air service we have acquired a stage and sound equipment. We'll have our cameras set up outside. We will video that live, weather permitting. If the weather doesn't permit, we'll video and, and we'll stream just like we do every Sunday in here. But we're going to have a drive-in. I said I wasn't going to do it. said I wasn't going to do it, but I did because my staff talked me into it. We're going to have a live drive-in service for you and your family to come and stay in your vehicle at 4 o'clock on Saturday, then 9.30 and 11.15 on Sunday. It will be an Easter unlike ever before. An Easter unlike any other. And I pray that it is the only Easter that we ever have to do this again so that we can all gather together in the name of Jesus physically and spiritually next year. But this year we're going to make it work. In Jesus' name, God's going to help us. Today, I want to preach a message to you I'm calling The Fish and the Grave. We've been in a series called Fish Stories for the last few weeks where we're examining the life of Jonah. It's interesting to us how we landed on this Palm Sunday as Jonah was being ushered into Nineveh for its salvation. Jesus was being ushered into Jerusalem for our salvation. On this Palm Sunday, we recognize that there were some things that happened with the fish and the grave that should make the difference in and through us. 
Uh, I've never told this story before in, in my tenure in ministry. I remember it like it was yesterday. I don't even know if my wife will remember this story or not. Um, as I get older, I, I tend to tell these stories a little bit more often. I used to kind of shy away from telling stories of the times that I played uh, minor league baseball and, and some of the things that I got to do and the people I got to meet because I didn't want to sound arrogant. But the older I get, I don't care. I just want my kids to understand that I was that cool and in their head, I still am. I was that athletic and as long as they know, I still am. And so I tell these stories a little bit more often than I used to. One of the stories that I like to share that I shared very rarely was about halfway through the season of my short season single A year, I really wasn't hitting the baseball very well. It was like I had a hole in my bat. My eyes were crossing every time I swung. I'm not sure what I was doing, but I would swing and the bat wouldn't hit the ball. I'm sure there was something wrong with the bat and not me. But I was growing very, very frustrated because I believed that I could hit the baseball. And I remember one game specifically, I just had enough. And I, 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 I held, I, I tempered myself. I didn't throw my stuff. I didn't break anything um, because that's a good way to lose your job in the minor leagues. So I put my bat in the holster and I, I went down the hallway and underneath the stairwell where there was some like grass feed on pallets. And I sat down on the grass feed and y'all, like I was punking out. I was I was just crybabying. I mean, I was, I was messed up. And, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. I, I was upset. And I began to, to, to call out to God. I know, I know this sounds silly to you, but, but for me, like, I'm supposed to be living a dream, and all I, all I can do is swing and miss. It's like I'm making a fool out of myself, out of my family, out of my fiance who's waiting on me back at home. Like I'm wasting everybody's time, y'all. I was upset. And I said, God, please help me hit the stinking. I said stupid at one point. Rather than say that this time, I said stinking. Please <laughs> help me hit the stinking baseball. It's white and bright, and it's, it's being thrown to me. It's like right there. Just swing it and hit it. Let me hit the baseball. Please let me hit the baseball. Why would you send me here if I was just going to swing and miss and look like a fool? And I had that conversation. I called out to God. And look, I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't, I didn't really feel a whole lot. I just had a sense of, ah, okay, we had our moment. And I went back out and I got to hit that next at bat. I got to hit the next at bat. Three days later, when I got to play again, I started getting more hits. By the end of the season, I hit the baseball pretty well, right under 300, which is not bad at all for this little NAIA guy with a wooden bat. Fast forward, if you will, to 2008. I went to spring training, and um, I played, literally played the best baseball of my life. I mean, I, I thought for sure I was on the high single A team, I was a step under double A, I was playing very well, which is apparently not that big of a deal in spring training if you know anything about it. I didn't at that time, so I thought for sure, man, I was going to be sent out. I got three chances, you know, I'll be a sub in double A or, or maybe at least be on the squad in the high A ball or, or man, I'm at least going to make the low A ball team. I'm playing the best baseball of my life. I mean, if, if I would have played as good as I played 
for Rocky Musgrave at LSU Shreveport uh, like I did when I was in spring training. Man, he would have given me a full scholarship way sooner than I tricked him into. Like, way sooner. I was playing great. And I got left off of all the rosters. I got left in what's called extended spring, spring training. Man, I wanted to leave. I wanted to go home. I was done. I would call out to God. I would question God. Again, not a big deal to you maybe, but at that point, I was engaged. I was getting married. Like, this was my livelihood. This is what I was going to do for a living. And I would ask God, what's going on? Why is this happening? Why did this happen? Et cetera, et cetera. It was like I couldn't hear God say anything back. You ever called out to God and it just seemed like he wasn't answering? That was the state I was in. And then one day I finally came to a place where I said, you know what, God? Thank you. Thank you for this. I needed this. This was fun. I can check this off of my list. I've given everything I had to this game. I've given everything that I had in this opportunity. I can look back at this with no regret. Thank you for this dream. I've had enough. If you're ready to send me home, I'm ready to go get started on whatever it is that you have for me. And I was there for one day later. The next morning, the clubhouse manager came in and I went and I was cut. I was released. What I realized in that moment is what I'm still realizing today. Is that often whenever we call out to God, it's not God that's not answering. It's actually more likely, not all the time, but it's actually more likely that it's really just that he's saying something that we don't want to hear. He's saying something that's different than what we were asking for. I, I have three children, and they're with their mother often. And so they will ask questions to their mother, and she will answer them, and then they will ask her the same question again, and she will answer them in the same manner again. And then they will ask the question again, and then she will begin to, at times... We, we have these, we're working on it. Because like, we're not perfect parents either. We're just trying to figure this out and not mess them up too bad along the way. She will answer them in a different way. So then here I come, like the father, the daddy. They'll ask me a question. I hear the question. I will answer them. It's not necessarily what they wanted to hear. And they will ask me the same question that they just asked me. Like, I didn't hear what they just said. Like, there's something wrong with my ears. Like, what came out of their mouth didn't go into my brain and give me an opportunity to process and verbally respond in that moment. I feel like I said everything that I needed to say. And yet my child looked back at me as if I had never spoken to them. Why? Because they didn't hear me? Maybe. So we get our ears checked. No, that's not, maybe, I don't know what happened. They asked me the same question. Why? Because they didn't hear what they wanted to hear. And often, I'm not saying all the time, I'm just saying often, we'll do that same thing to God. God, heal my friend. God, heal my loved one. God, protect us from this virus. God, lift this off of our land. Let us get back to normal, God. Let us live our lives the way that we were living. God, help me out here. God, show me what to do. God, give me the finances I need to whatever it is. And it's not that God's not answering. It's just that he possibly is not answering the way that we want him to answer. So do we quit calling out? Or do we continue 
And then begin to lean in in a new way and listen and learn what the Lord is saying to us. I never forget when I first moved to Eunice. I had one objective in my mind. I was so grateful for the facility that we inherited. For the fact that it was all paid for and we had no debt. I was extremely relieved. Not a church planner in the world that wouldn't come to this place. And we come in. We have all this facility, and I, I remember there was a, a few things wrong here. Some things were leaking, some things were broken, there were some gas line issues, an air conditioner went out, and it just seemed like there was one thing after another that needed to be tended to over and over again. And I had like this, this one idea when I got here because we own land in another place, and I, my only thought was like, grow this church, build a building. Grow this church, build a building. That's all that I would talk. It consumed me. Like I was so ready to grow this church and build a building. I didn't appreciate what I had. And one day I remember something else had gone out and I said it out loud in the hallway. I, I, I think I was even talking to God. I don't remember anybody else being around. I said, I am so ready to get out of this building and build a new one. And the Lord stopped me. Again, not an audible voice, just a correction. He said, Chris, until you learn how to take care of what I've given you, you will never see what I have for you. You will have to learn how to do well with what you have before I will ever show you what else I have. In other words, God, for me in that moment, was telling me, Chris, I need you to stop examining your atmosphere and start examining your attitude. I need you to start looking at what's on the inside and not just complaining about everything on the outside. Because I'm still here, and I still hear you. And I'm speaking, says the Lord, but you are not necessarily listening the way that I would like for you to. I believe that Jonah was in this same situation. At the end of Jonah chapter 2, we see like that chapter is about Jonah calling out to God. He called out to God. It wasn't an ideal situation. The, the circumstance wasn't conducive. And yet Jonah still called. Hey, maybe you need to pick up the phone and make a call. Maybe you need to check on that friend. Maybe you need to text that family member. Maybe you need to offer that forgiveness. Maybe this is a, a, a time of personal evaluation. Come on, where we don't just go to Lowe's because we got some home improvement to do, but we go to the living word because we've got some self-improvement to do. God is working on some things right now. He wants you to take advantage of the time that you have or the time that you make yourself have. No matter what your situation or circumstance is, he's not asking us to change the atmosphere. He's asking us to adjust our attitude. He's asking us to call out to him. He's asking us to hear what he would have to say. Call out to him and get back out of that addiction. Call out to him and break that habit that you're beginning to form. In some idle time, call out to him and break that fear that is holding you down or hindering you or, or holding you back. You can be aware, but you don't get to live afraid because the author and the perfecter is still writing the story. We call out. 
we call out. Jonah called out to God. Verse 2 of Jonah chapter 2. I called out to the Lord out of my distress. Why is it always distress that causes us to finally become desperate for the Lord? Jonah declared, he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. He was in the belly of a fish. He wasn't in the belly of Sheol. But from his perspective, from his perspective, that large fish, comparably a whale, felt like absolute pit of hell. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice. Then Jonah said in verse 4, I'm driven away from your sight. And yet shall I again look upon your holy temple. I'm not going to look around. I'm not going to look back. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to look again upon your holy. I'm not going to look to this temptation. I'm, got, I'm not going to look to this frustration. I'm not going to look, come on, to this constriction. I'm going to look again to this holy temple. Perhaps for some of us, I know not for all of us, but perhaps the Lord is calling us back, not just to our financial tithe, but to our time tithe. Perhaps he is regaining the attention of some individuals that have not been giving him his, their attention the way that he wishes that we would have this whole time. Jonah not giving God his attention, running away from what God had called him to, came to a place where he called out to God and he looked again upon the holiness, the temple, and the presence there within. And Jonah made a decision. Jonah covenanted in. So often we call out to God and he responds and, and we just keep going. But Jonah covenanted in. He said, when my life was fanning away, I, I remember the Lord. When I was frustrated, when my anxiety was at an all-time high, when my stress level was off the charts, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Verse 8, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Like, we're going to miss out. But verse 9, I, with a voice of thanksgiving... In other words, I can replace the pressure with my praise if I stop being fixed upon my atmosphere and I begin to adjust my attitude. I refocus in on the only one that can offer me any stability and peace in times such as this. With a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish. You need to highlight that. You need to circle it. You need to select all and put a certain color on it. The Lord spoke to a fish and the fish vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. The fish had a purpose. This leads us into chapter 3 of the book of Jonah. See, Jonah didn't know Possibly the same thing that some of us are still wondering. Jonah didn't know the time that he spent in the belly of the fish. 
which, which he compared to the belly of Sheol, or the belly of the whale that felt like the belly of hell itself. Some of you, look, I get your house right now, it doesn't feel like a haven. It feels like a prison. I get it. You got more energy than you have opportunity. Some of you are being overextended in all areas. You can't go, I've got a family member whom I love dearly, and I didn't ask to share their name, so I'm not going to, but I know that they're hurting right now. Because they're being exposed to specifically this virus. They're being exposed and they can't go see their loved ones because they're working in the areas of the issue is taking place. And at its, at its highest, it feels like an absolute pit. It's beginning to feel like a more of a prison. And then right as we saw the light at the end of the tunnel, it got stretched out further. Jonah didn't realize the same thing that we may not realize. I hope this is prophetic. I can't declare a thus saith the Lord moment, but I'm telling you, God showed me something that I had never seen before about Jonah in the belly of this well. He showed me something about this large fish that I have never recognized before that Jonah didn't realize and it was a very similar thing that the disciples didn't realize about Jesus. Jesus, why are we going back to Jerusalem? Why do you want a donkey colt? Like of all the things you can ride into town on, you want me to get a what? The colt of a huh? How about a stallion? Like you come prancing up in the joint. No, no, no. Jesus wants a donkey. Here comes the king of kings. <laughs> Throw your coats out, everybody. Get the palm leaves. Here comes the king of Israel. About to establish the throne, overthrow the Romans. They didn't understand. They didn't understand the same thing that Jonah didn't understand in that fish. The disciples didn't understand on the way into Jerusalem. That what felt like Sheol was actually salvation. It was a revelation. Jonah didn't even get it. He's standing on the shore. He still doesn't understand that that fish wasn't judgment and persecution. That fish was taking him back to what he was created for and called to from the very beginning. He thought it was a pit. He thought it was a prison. He thought he was stuck. And he thought he was being punished. But Jesus said, Something way different about the belly of that fish. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, the Bible says, according to Jesus, for just as Jonah was in three days and three nights, the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Every sermon I have ever heard in my mind I'm sure somebody said it at some point but in my mind every sermon I've ever heard that fish was punishment for Jonah not paying attention God had to send a fish to get Jonah's attention 
The storm is what got Jonah's attention. God didn't speak through the fish. He spoke through the storm. It wasn't the fish that made the, the persecution difficult. Jonah was in the belly of the fish. He'd just gotten thrown off the ship. It was the storm that God used to get Jonah's attention. And Jonah's in the belly of a fish. Because he's, he's right where God wanted him. The fish, hear this, was no more punishment to Jonah than the grave was punishment to Jesus. That fish took him all the way back to start over again. It wasn't punishment. The fish took Jonah back in the direction of what he was called to, back in the direction of what God had created him for. Is it possible right now that we're in the belly of a fish and though it feels like Sheol, it's actually salvation in disguise? Is it possible that God is still making a way where there seems to be no way? Is it possible that God is still paving a path into Jerusalem even in the face of persecution, trials, and issues? Is it possible? That God is still speaking unlike he ever has before. What God called Jonah to, what God left his throne in heaven and came down for. Come on, you got to hear this. The fish was not punishment. The fish was preparation. The grave wasn't punishment. The grave was preparation. Because on the other side of preparation is production unlike ever has been before. Unlike the world has ever seen the church move, the church doesn't get to come back complacent from this. Jonah doesn't get to go into Nineveh complacent after the storm and being in the belly of the well. The fish was the container that called Jonah back to the place that God created him for. Now I want you to notice what I told you to highlight. When God spoke to the fish, it couldn't hold him any longer. When God spoke to the stone, it couldn't hold him any longer something needs to settle into your spirit right now that all you're lacking is the ability to listen to what the spirit speaks so clearly because the Bible still proclaims that when God's people humble themselves and pray, when they seek the face of the Father, when they turn from their wicked ways, God still hears from heaven. God still forgives our sins and God will heal our land. I'm not saying God sent a virus. I'm saying God is speaking. Virus or no virus, he was speaking last year. The question is not whether God is speaking, it's whether we're listening. I'm going to say this, bring this thing in for a landing this morning. 
What I do is greater than how I came. Let that simmer. Because you need to understand that what you do from this point forward, it's way more important than what you did on the way here. When Jonah landed on that beach, when he was standing on that shoreline, come on, when Jesus went into Jerusalem, when he was preparing for the crucifixion, when the body of Jesus laid in that tomb for three days, as Jonah did simmering in the belly of that fish for three days, come on, what you do from this point forward is way more important than what you did to this point present. Jonah went to Nineveh. Jesus came to Jerusalem. Both of them came to minister. One was accepted and one was arrested. One wanted wrath. Jonah wanted punishment. Jonah wanted wrath. Jesus wanted redemption. One came in a fish. The other one came on a donkey. Jonah was bringing a message of salvation and Jesus came as salvation. Nineveh was sanctified. Jesus was crucified. But hear this. All over this nation and around the world, prophets are still prophesying. Preachers are still preaching. Nations and kings are still listening. And God is still speaking. How do we respond when life goes from gloom to glory and all the way back again? Jonah went from a ship to a fish to a shore to the streets into depression. Jesus went from a triumphal celebration to alone in a garden sweating blood to a cross where all but just a few of his followers had scattered like ants from gloom to glory back again what I do is greater than how I came the decision that I make from this point Chris you don't understand man I have to work I'm in the healthcare system I'm in the oil field. I'm a first responder. I have to work. Chris, you don't understand. I got to get out of this house. You don't understand, man. These, these four walls are like a prison. They're not a haven any longer. Chris, you don't understand. I got, I got let go. I, I, I've lost my job. I, I'm out of work. I, I can't find anything. I got to find a way to provide. No, no, no. You don't have to find a way to provide. You got to find a way to the provider. Chris, you don't understand, man. My kids are about to eat me out of house at home. I'm out of toilet paper, bro. Phil and I, like, I have legitimately, y'all, I'm, I'm going to face this camera and y'all for a second. I just need to confess this. I need to get it out. I have fussed my family. I got three girls. Y'all, they spend toilet paper like it's Will of Fortune. <laughs> you know, pick it all up. <laughs> I have fussed my family. We're on a two-sheet limit. 
Y'all do it. I'm not playing. Two sheets. That's all you need. Why? Because if I say three, they're going to get four. Come on, you know. Maybe five. Little Megan, she's going to get seven. That's just how that's going to happen. Chris, you don't understand. I'm stuck. I'm, I'm losing it. Like, I can't, I can't do this for another month. You're right. You couldn't do it last month. I can't do it. We wouldn't have made it to this point. Last story. Pastor John was sharing. I wanted to get some more details of this story because it sounds hilarious. But uh, in South Louisiana, we call these things barges. We're going to go out on the barge. Down here, I said South Louisiana. In North Louisiana, we call them barges. In South Louisiana, I think y'all call them pontoon boats. I don't know. It's a deck with big two, two big pontoons. You can fit a whole lot of people on it. He and his family, Pastor John wasn't partying. He was with his family. He and his family, his dad was driving the boat. And I don't remember, I don't know if they were going up river or down. I hope they were going up so they could float back down. But we don't think that far ahead most of the time. So we're just going to assume that they were going down river. Well, a pontoon boat is a lot of fun until it runs out of gas. And then it's not fun anymore because you've gone a long way away from your vehicle and it's not like a canoe or a piro where you just paddle back. You stuck. And what was like this great day turned into all of a sudden a very stressful moment. From his perspective, again, your perspective is your reality. From his perspective, it was even like frightening. Like it ruined the whole thing, ruined the whole trip. What was his objective in that moment? Do we just give up? Do we just lay down? No, we're no longer just enjoying the course and floating down the river. No, we realize that what we needed, we were taking for granted. And now, we just need one thing. We need to get back home we got to get back home this Easter whether you gather physically wherever you watch wherever you gather right now on Palm Sunday no better time than the present we got to get back home I have been convicted about my perspective and my appreciation and things that I was or wasn't taken for granted. My question is, if this doesn't lift, which I believe it will, but if the gas tank doesn't just refill itself, am I just going to lay down? Or am I going to lean in? Because the objective is not to just survive or get through this that's not the that's not the objective of the believer the objective of the believer is to not just get to the other side but to be used by God all the way there the objective of the unbeliever the objective of the individual who has drifted away from the father and the father's love the objective for you is to get back home for God to use this situation 
to not just get us through it, but to get our attention. Am I gonna lay down and pout or am I going to pursue God and make it home? I wanna pray over you right now. I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I know that I've said a shotgun blast of information here. So I just wanna invite you right where you sit to just ask. We're gonna talk about calling out to God. Why don't you take 30 seconds? I'm going to be silent. Don't turn the TV off. Don't turn off your tablet. This is not the time to exit. This is the time to evaluate. Let me give you 30 seconds. Call out to God. Ask Him. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? What is He trying to say to you? Ask him. Now listen. Hear the voice of the Lord. Let he who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is speaking on this Palm Sunday. The first Sunday I remember in history that the church was not allowed to gather physically. What, what is God trying to do? What is God using this to do? Because God can bring reason to anything that happens. Even though I believe there are some things that just happen in this life. Everything doesn't happen for a reason, friend. We live in a fallen world around fallen people. Everything doesn't happen for a reason. But I can promise you this. God can bring reason to anything that happens. I heard it said this way. God does not give an explanation for everything. But he does give a promise to everything. What's he trying to say? Does Jesus have your heart? Does Jesus have your home? Does Jesus have your habits? I want to invite you right now, wherever you are, whenever you're listening, to just open your hands right where you sit. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never received salvation, I want to invite you to just ask Him for forgiveness of where you've fallen short. That's sin. Lord, forgive me where I've fallen short. Tell him you believe, I believe that you gave your life on the cross, but you didn't stay in the grave. You were resurrected so that I could live if I would live in you. I confess you as Lord right now. God, take my life and make it yours. May I follow you with all of my heart. If you prayed that prayer, we believe that you began your journey of salvation. And now you get to join us, spending the rest of your life pursuing God, especially in the midst of pressure and problems that seem bigger than yourself. You are a child of God, no longer a slave, a child. Hey, God bless you. 
Thank you for listening. Before you go, again, remember, make a phone call. Send a text message. Respond to an email. Offer forgiveness. Check in on somebody that you love, somebody that loves you, or somebody that you don't like. Comment in this post. Let us know how we can pray for you. Go to EuniceChurch.com. If you don't attend here, if you don't have a church home, and you would like to, if you're interested in what we do, fill out that Connect card online. Click on that prayer request tab and let us know how we can agree with you in Jesus' name for God to speak and you to hear. God bless you. Thank you for joining us.